right, all right. Welcome to 48th episode of the Drop Pass podcast, my dog. How is it going? Hope you're feeling great, or if that's currently not on the menu, I hope that we can change that within the next hour or so, because we here support positive vibes, and therefore my mission is to lighten up your day by a little each time you happen to stop by, and that is the aim for today's episode again. Last week's episode marked the beginning of the so-called season 2 of the podcast, and... If you haven't listened to that episode yet, the table of contents included the major signings, trades, retirements, and moves away from North America in addition to a quick breakdown of the 2022 World Junior Championships. Today's episode will feature another bunch of future talents as we take a closer look at the possible Calder candidates and players that haven't yet solidified their spots in the bright lights but are bound to make that happen within the next few upcoming seasons. So lots of prospect talk coming up and of course we will start the episode by going over the big news from the past week and what an eventful week it ended up being as many veterans announced their retirements and we also saw a few more signings so those will be coming next once we've kicked off the episode as it should be. If you haven't yet, please go leave some love on the social media sites, IG, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Twitter, you name it. Handles are down in the episode description, and once you've done that, go also support women in need on OnlyFans to show them that you care and that you are willing to go the extra mile for others. But with that said, we might as well move straight to the intro before this whole circus runs out of track, so without further ado, let's get Go. And so we are back on track for another plus 30 minutes of NHL talk. And as I said, in today's episode, we are going to take a closer look at this year's rookie class and see which players are the ones you should keep your eyes on during the regular season. Before that though, we must check the latest headlines from the past week from the NHL since quite a lot happened within just few days because the training camps officially started this week. And thus, teams learned more about their current rosters and what they were possibly going to look like heading into upcoming season. Especially on the retirement front, we saw quite a lot of movement since just few days ago, three well-known NHLers announced their retirements. And that bunch included names Keith Aramaniandel, Zdeno Jara, and P.K. Subban. Also previously, Nathan Gerby, Johnny Boychuk, and Curtis Gabriel had announced their retirements. And the Sharks are currently waiting on Joe Thornton's decision, because he's been practicing with the Sharks and has been spotted in Northern California during the past couple of weeks. Yandel was the first one to hang up his skates and made his announcement during the most recent Speed and Chicklets episode. And I have to say that this was fairly expected announcement after his pretty dramatic past season in Philadelphia. He has claimed a very respected position inside the NHL and is known as one of the best locker room players from the past decade. And although his past season wasn't anything to write home about, he racked up impressive numbers in Phoenix, New York and Florida during his stay in the big league. And quite frankly, I would be surprised if we didn't see his number getting retired by Arizona in one or two years. The offensive demon was quite underappreciated throughout his career thanks to his long stay in Phoenix, 
But when you look at his offensive numbers, you start to understand why he got paid during his 16-year stay in the bright lights. I have nothing bad to say about this guy. Defense was never his bread and butter, but his offensive numbers speak for themselves. So congratulations, Jans, for a great NHL career. Most likely we are going to see him more often on spitting chiclets and at the golf course. And lastly, before we move to P.K. Zuban, I have to mention that if you haven't listened to any of the episodes featuring Yandel and Kevin Hayes, I would strongly recommend doing so because the entertainment value is off the roof. So go check out their content because it's top notch. Next, we have one of the more divisive figures of the NHL. Colonel Carl Subban on the platter and although I wasn't expecting him to hang up his skates this year I can't say that I didn't see a possibility there after his few appearances in NHL broadcasts. One Olympic gold, two World Junior golds, one Norris trophy and multiple all-star team selections through NHL, AHL and the OHL pretty much speak louder than words about his career. He had toughness, speed and finesse in his game and many people forget his most productive years in Montreal because of his lackluster performances for New Jersey through the past few seasons. 60-point blue liners with physical edge don't grow on trees and when you add to that his handedness I may say that the Habs got a pretty decent pick from the second round in 2007 and like I've stated previously he was one of the players I looked up to when I was coming up the junior ranks myself during my own hockey career. Say what you want about him, but the numbers don't really lie, and when you are able to rack up multiple plus 50-point seasons in the NHL as a defenseman, there's little to no room for argument, so at least I will tip my cap for his career in the bright lights and expect him to become a mainstay analyst in the NHL broadcast booth. So big congrats to PK as well. Then last but certainly not least, we have the future first ballot Hall of Famer, Zdeno Chara. One Stanley Cup, one Norris Trophy, one Marc Messier Leadership Award, two World Cup silver medals and multiple All-Star nominations is quite a total for a towering defenseman who was not expected to become anything special on the NHL level. Well, that wasn't the case by any means. And the third round selection by the Islanders ended up playing almost 1,700 games in the NHL and repping the C for the Bruins ever since his trade from Ottawa in 2006. Two plus 50-point seasons in the NHL in his pocket and at his peak was undoubtedly the best defensive defenseman in the NHL because of his physical defensive nature and range as he was able to sweep the offensive blue line from behind the net if he wanted to. He was probably one of the most feared blue liners in the league for multiple seasons because of his NBA frame and without a shadow of a doubt has been one of the main reasons for Slovakia's bright hockey future because of his dominant presence in the NHL. He ended up signing one day deal with the Bees to retire as a Bruin and without question his number 33 is going to be raised to the rafters of Boston's TD Garden. And like Subban, he was one of those guys that I looked up to earlier in my career because of his dominant presence in the defensive zone and the rivalries between the Habs and the Bruins. But like I said, Hall of Fame awaits and once again congrats to Big Z for his unbelievable career in the NHL. 
In addition to those retirements, as I said, Joe Thornton's career is still in question and the new Sharks GM Mike Greer already told that if Joe is looking to come back for another year, they are willing to negotiate, but until he announces his plans for next year, we won't know how the situation develops, but I'll keep you informed once something comes out from that part of the world. Also, on the injury front, this week we learned that Nolan Patrick was most likely going to miss the entire 22-23 season because of his injury and he will accompany Robin Lehner in their LTIR, who is also expected to miss the entirety of next season. So, at least the Golden Knights get some room to their cap space because they certainly will use that to their advantage at some point as we've learned through past couple of seasons. Same situation looms in Philadelphia as well. Since Ryan Ellis, who missed most of the last year, is also expected to be out long-term. And seemingly, his previous injury hasn't healed the way many expected, and it is fully possible that he won't skate again on the NHL ice if his recovery doesn't go as planned before the next off-season rolls around. A pretty similar case also concerns Phyllis' number one center, Sean Couturier, who is expected to miss at least a couple of months because of herniated disc. But that is the optimistic point of view, since in the worst case he also could miss the entire 22-23 season. So their situations could be very similar to this year, where these two players only dress to a handful of games for the Flyers. And if that was the case, expect to see some changes in Philly, because they certainly won't be contending, so a rebuild could be upon them, if same pattern repeats itself next year. Andrew Ladd is also questionable for the upcoming season and when looking at his previous few seasons, the LTIR list or retirement home could be his next destination since he has battled with injuries and is turning 37 this year so at least I wouldn't be surprised if we got the news about his retirement in the coming days. Marcus Candela is also going to miss significant time due to off-season hip surgery, Kings prospect Alex Turcotte is also doubtful for the upcoming season due to two concussions sustained during last season. And lastly, Jake McCabe is expected to miss somewhere along the lines of two to three months after undergoing a cervical spine surgery. And before we move to signings front, it has to be mentioned that Blake Wheeler was stripped out of his captaincy in Winnipeg. And now we have another franchise without its captain, so once again it's going to be interesting to see how the management sees their future after such a move. And even more than that, I'm eager to hear the reasons behind this move since there have been some rumors about Wheeler and his presence inside their locker room, but we most likely won't hear anything related to that before he's done with his career. So let's leave out the speculation for now and move to our last news pieces before heading into prospect world once again. On the trade front, we saw one in between these two episodes as the New York Rangers dealt their promising right-handed blue liner Nils Lundqvist to the Dallas Stars in exchange for conditional 2023 first-rounder and 2025 fourth-rounder. The conditions are as follows. If the 23 first-round pick ends up being a top-10 selection, the pick becomes instead Dallas's 24 first-rounder and if Lundqvist earns 55 points or more over the next two seasons, the pick becomes Dallas's 25 third rounder. And honestly, I like this trade for both teams. Dallas gets an unproven mobile blue liner with significant point production ceiling, while the Rangers get picks for their prospect who has fallen behind Braden Schneider in their pecking order. 
and thus made him expendable for the Rangers. I thought that he would have made his mark in the NHL already, but that hasn't happened yet, and my sense is that the Rangers front office had similar thoughts regarding his presence inside their organization, and when you look at their current right side blue line, featuring Fox, Truba, and Snyder, you get that he didn't have a very desirable spot to say the least. Especially now that Truba was named as their captain, and Snyder took advantage of their situation on the blue line. So it was probably best for both the player and the team to find the best course of action, and in this case it ended up being a trade. And I'm more than sure that the Stars are very happy with their most recent acquisition. And with Klingberg gone, I think that there should be an opening on their top six. And he even could earn some ice time on the second power play if he stands out during the training camp. And although it feels like the Stars are currently running in quicksand, their future is looking extremely bright in my eyes. And if the development of their top young guns keeps its pace, they could be a real challenger in the West once the bad contracts run out and they can refigure their core for the future with names such as Heiskanen, Robertson, Ottinger, Hintz, Harley, Borg, Johnston, Delandrea, Stranges, Stankoven, Damiani, Lundqvist, and Grushnikov. And if those names don't sound familiar, don't worry, we are going to go through them more in depth during this year, so no fear, I got you. Just keep in mind that this team could be a menace in the West if these guys pan out as they are expected to. But then on the signings front, there was one absolutely massive signing, which made every other deal seem more minor. So let's first get the minor deals out the way, and then two on the big ones in September 20th became to be a major payday for a very certain individual. The first deal came out of Ottawa as the Sens signed a bottom six option Tyler Mott to a one-year 1.35 deal, and straight away it has to be said that the Senators are a really tempting team for the upcoming season because of their most recent additions from this offseason. And meanwhile, Mott himself isn't a guaranteed 40-point player in their top nine. His contributions for both the Canucks and the Rangers were noticeable last year. And without a doubt, he strengthens the Sens' bottom six with this great two-way game. And just so that I don't just talk to warm myself, let me tell you their current top 12 forward core. Ketchuk, Norris, Patterson, Debrinket, Stutzle, Giroux, Formington, Pinto, Joseph, Mott, Gambrell, and Watson. And as we add in their prospects, Yarventia Sokolov, Lodin, Kelly, and Greg, you start to see that there is real potential there, at least up top. Am I right? Of course, there are a couple of names that aren't household names yet, but that top 12 could be a whole lot worse in my eyes, and especially their top 9 has improved tremendously from their previous two seasons. It will be interesting to see how this team evolves throughout the upcoming year, and how much the young guns have improved since if they aim to challenge for a playoff spot, they need to step up, and if that happens and their goaltending holds, they could be a major headache in the East, which could cause some harm for the contending teams, but more about the sense in the season previews, and let's move to other deals that went through this week. And as I was editing last week's episode, I noticed that Sean Dursey had signed a two-year bridge deal with the Kings, carrying a 1.7 million AAV, so I was able to cut out his name from the remaining RFA list, but... 
wasn't able to add him to the episode and therefore he is now included in this episode this week. And as I somewhat predicted based on the other deals that had gone through previously, Durs' breakout season in the NHL only earned him a decent two-year bridge deal and with that the Kings have a chance to give their future decor a look and decide on who is going to stay and which pieces could be moved if they aim to acquire assets for the upcoming season. Good deal for both parties once again, but if his development continues as it does to this date, he could be looking at a major race after this deal, and if so, the Kings would be facing a tough situation with the right-handed blue line prospects, since that is not endangered species in LA, and thus someone could be on the move before next offseason if the Kings are contenders in the West already this upcoming year. The Yotes also signed the remaining RFA Barrett Hayden to a two-year bridge deal with 1.775 AAV. And just like Durs' deal, this enables the Yotes to look at his future in their organization. And if there's still room for him, if he doesn't improve his game before Logan Cooley jumps onto the NHL ice, and most likely claims his spot as their number one center option in the show. Nikita Shoshnikov was signed by the Islanders and the returnee earned himself a one-year minimum wage deal, while the Isles also extended both Corey Snyder and Parker Wotherspoon to one-year two-way deals. And after that, Calgary extended both Brett Ritchie and Adam Ruzicka. Ritchie's deal is one-year, one-way deal, while Ruzicka was signed to a two-year, two-way contract. So the management there seemingly still think that he has some room for improvement before earning a steady one-way money stream. And with their most recent additions, it is understandable since the center spot became fairly crowded in Calgary after their most recent addition of Nazem Kadri. And finally, their rival Edmonton Oilers also inked the remaining RFA Ryan McLeod to a one-year 798k deal. And just like I mentioned in the previous episode, only few guys remain unsigned but they are bound to be locked up before the training camps are over. I'm more than sure of that. The situation with Robertson is still in the air, and some speculation has surrounded his future with the Stars because of their cap space, but as a Stars fan, I wouldn't be worried about his possible departure from Dallas, since team claiming him would have to pay a high price for his services, especially if they aim to overbeat the Stars and force their hand in the negotiations, but we'll see what happens. I wouldn't complain about some drama, but wouldn't expect any soap operas so close to the regular season. And then, the behemoth, the giant, the Herculean, the King Kong stick-sized deal, whatever you want to call it. Nathan McKinnon, 8 years, 12.6 million per season. Which also includes 85.3 million in signing bonuses. So yeah, that probably means that we are not going to see him making an OnlyFans anytime soon. At least the rumors were on point this time, which said that he was going to get paid and likely to even become the highest paid player in the league. So kudos to you who had the insight on this matter, because it truly happened. It beat McDavid's deal by 100k and thus he becomes the highest paid player in the NHL. And I mean... Some like to argue against top players getting paid, but buddy, these guys have been on top for years now and they deserve their caviars. Trust me on that. He now has Stanley Cup in his back pocket and although I support the idea that the top players should earn related to their accomplishments, 
I also understand the fact that the Avs are going to be in a tough situation in the future since the deal will eat a great chunk of their future cap space. The possible upside here is that once the CBA comes to its end, the cap ceiling is expected to be raised quite decently and I know that it is rumored to happen every year but the fact is that it is going to go up at some point and most likely scenario is that it's going to go up next offseason and thus the Avs could earn some wiggle room on their journey to another Stanley Cup final. It's a real double-edged sword, it tightens the gap in the middle when it comes to deals within their top 9 but the fact is that he has been a consistent contributor for them for years and dramatically underpaid which also most likely counted towards this huge race this year. Some could argue that Rantanen has been their most consistent offensive threat and I wouldn't argue against that, I'm on that same boat but those factors mentioned earlier just weighed too much on the scale this time that Josek it had to bend in order to keep him long term and just think about a situation where you have racked up over point per game season each year from 2016 with 6.3 million cap it and brought home a Stanley Cup. You would also think that you could use a small raise so although it's a heavy price to pay on the personal level I understand his demands and why Sakic was forced to give in on this deal even though the offensive numbers are not same as McDavid's but he has a ring which counts to something so quite honestly I would love to hear your thoughts concerning this signing since like I've stated it's certainly a divisive deal and I understand both sides from it so if you have a strong opinion for or against this deal leave your comments in my DMs and I'll be sure to go through them with thought. But that's pretty much it, it's a big chunk to swallow and certainly not for all taste but it's now signed and sealed so we'll see how the other top players react to this deal once their current contracts are running out cause this will have impact on the future that's for sure. But with that said we are done with the most burning NHL topics and it's time to move to our last part of this episode where we look at the best young players to make their mark on the NHL ice just like the combo of Moritz Sider and Lucas Raymond did for the Red Wings this past season. We are going to go more in depth regarding prospects at a later date and this week's breakdown is aimed to only concern the more NHL ready prospects that are on the verge of making it to the big league and in a best case could even make impacts on the next level in their respective organizations. So don't worry we are not going to go through all prospect pools and make in-depth analysis on their current situation but more so go over the most noteworthy prospects that are most likely going to get at least some playing time in the bright lights or at least get to enjoy a cup of coffee up top right at the start of the season or once the games have been played in the junior levels. Remember that at this point once nothing is yet concrete as the training camps are currently underway all opinions are my own and most likely only one-fifth or even one-sixth of these players are going to start their seasons up top and therefore these are mainly based on their previous season and the team's current roster situation so once the rosters have been finalized ahead of the new NHL season we can make more calculated assumptions about the possibilities and if I happen to miss some players please feel free to point them out since after all there are 32 teams and I don't get to watch these guys on a monthly basis and evaluate their progress so all armchair GMs and scouts are welcome and by no means this is aimed to be some kind of crystal ball prediction 
but more so estimation and speculation. So keep an open mind and just enjoy the following segment of exciting prospect talk. Let's get to it. This time we're going to start from the back and the first team on the board is going to be the Winnipeg Jets since, as you know, we like to mix things up a bit and this week it was Winnipeg's time to be the first team under the microscope. And for them, only few options remain that have been lingering in the tide wave of the NHL and their names are Colper Fetty, Ville Heinola and Dylan Sandberg. All these guys have got their taste of NHL action and Perfetti is the most likely candidate to make his mark first on the NHL ice after his short rookie campaign for the Jets. In 18 games he was able to rack up 7 points and could be seen in their top 6 next year if the line combinations are on his favor since he already saw some ice time alongside their top offensive units this past year and most likely that is going to be the case next season once again especially if and when injuries bite their team in the midst of the season. When it comes to Heinola and Sandberg, the future in the top six on their blue line isn't as guaranteed as the Jets currently possess one of the more stacked decors of Morrissey, Smith, Pionk, Dylan, DeMello and Stanley who surpassed these two guys this year so it remains to be seen if one or both of these guys will be on their starting roster because at least I've been waiting for their breakthrough to the NHL ice for some time now. And if measurable results can't be seen within the next few seasons, some moves are ahead whether it concerns their current top core or the prospects themselves. But hopefully both these guys get their chance and prove why they were worth such high picks in previous drafts. Extra names on their behalf include Christian Reichel, Declan Chisholm and Leonga Wonk. And pretty much similar case concerns the Capitals where most of their young prospects have already got their feet wet at the NHL level and by that I mean names such as Fervari, Leeson, Protash, Lapierre and McMichael so those names are the most obvious ones to crack up a stable job at the next level especially now that the Cavs are fighting with injuries starting from the opening day. McMichael will most likely see an increase in playing time thanks to Nick Beckstrom's injury and thus his point total of 18 should see a drastic increase if he gets to play alongside their top players in their top six. Fervari played well alongside John Carlson in their first pairing and is once again expected to carry some minutes in their top four. Meanwhile rest of those names should see more ice time as well since I believe that it's going to be another year filled with injuries for the Caps thanks to their aging roster. And so their point total should see some increases as well, while the wildcard names for them are going to be Cody Clark, Gary Pallon, Henry Rubinski, Lucas Johansson and Vincent Iorio, who is jumping to men's league after a strong season in the WHL. Expectations for Hendrix Lapierre are also fairly high at least on my part since he was the last guy cut from their last year's roster and with lingering injury issues within the organization. He could get a break as well in their top 9 if management sees him as a suitable fit to replace one of their injured veterans or downright replace one of the guys mentioned earlier but some seasoning in the AHL could be ahead as well so cautious optimism is my manner of approach for his upcoming year. For Vegas the situation is a bit different one where they got prospects in their pipeline but how ready they are for the NHL is a question on its own. Brendan Brisson will make his debut in the NHL level is my enlightened guess 
After debuting for the Silver Knights and putting up impressive numbers in seven games, he played for them during the regular season. He's my leading candidate, but other possible options feature Russians Pavel Dorofeyev, who already made his NHL debut last year, and Ivan Morozov, who got his first taste of North American hockey last season. Also, Jake Lasician and Jonas Renberg dressed up for the Golden Knights last year, and in addition to those guys, I expect to see Kaden Korsak and Daniel Miromanov up top next year, while Lucas Cormier and Peter Deliberatore remain as extra names on this list for their organization. So a good bunch of prospects is heading towards the NHL in Vegas, and if last year's injury bug returns to Sin City, most of these guys should see their names on the big board starting from next month. On Vancouver's side, the situation is a bit different, where their best young guns have pretty much graduated to the NHL already, and names like Pedersen, Hughes, Höglander, and Podkolzin have been mainstays on the big guys for the past year. Podkolzin and Höglander have yet to make as big impacts as the previous two, but at least on my part, there are no doubts about these guys reaching higher marks point-wise in the coming year, starting from this October. Other interesting names on their organization include recently signed Andrei Kuzmenko, who is already 26 years old but qualifies as a rookie because he hasn't played in the NHL prior to this season, Linus Carlson, Daniel Klimovic, Willem Lockwood, Jed Wu, and Jack Rathbone, who is most likely going to dress up for the Canucks already this year after his strong season in the AHL and few short stints in the big league. He has all the makings of a future top 4 blue liner, while Klimovic and Wu could see some ice time in the NHL this upcoming season if injuries start to occur, while I anticipate seeing Carlson and Lockwood more often in the big league based on their previous seasons. Michael DiPietro should get some playing time between their pipes as well, and for Wu it would be time to start cracking the NHL lineup since I've been waiting for that to happen for a few years now, but seemingly his projection has taken a bit of a dive, but Still, he's expected to make the NHL at some point, so hopefully that ends up being this year as part of their current decor is running out of contracts and they need to address that issue before these guys become free agents, but we'll see what happens on his part. Toronto's lineup is pretty much sealed and I would be surprised if anyone besides Nick Robertson would be able to crack their lineup since he was expected to take his place in their top 4 lines already last year, but he only ended up playing 10 games for the Leafs thanks to injuries. Now is his time to break into their NHL roster, so expect to see him in the bright lights more often, and alongside him, Nick Abruzzese is a good shout as well when it comes to NHL probability, since he already dressed for 9 games for them and most likely will compete for the remaining spots in their bottom 6 this upcoming season. Other names that I would like to mention as possible options for the NHL squad are Alex Steves, Joey Anderson, Pontus Holmberg, and Mac Hallowell. Mikko Kokkonen and Semyon Der Argusenchev could get a small taste of the NHL action as double extras and overall, the Leafs have pretty young farm system heading into next season, so if they are hit with injuries next year, you can expect to see some new young faces skating for them once the mid-season rolls around. Tampa Bay's roster is pretty much set for the upcoming season, but at the same time, they proved time and time again the fact that they are able to develop NHL-ready players through their farm system, and that's why I wouldn't be surprised if one of these names ends up making a name for himself on the NHL level, so 
let's head to see what I got an offer for you today. First and the most obvious candidate is forward Alex Barry Boulay, who has been flirting with the NHL team for a couple of seasons now and has proved his value in the AHL, so to me it's just a matter of time once he makes his real impact on the NHL ice. Alongside him, my top candidates for NHL baptism are Gabriel Fortier, Nick Perbix and Lucas Edmonds, who was drafted just this summer as an overager. Fortier is the most NHL-ready player out of this bunch and would be surprised if we didn't see him in the NHL next year since his strong track record from the A and his tenacious two-way playstyle scream NHL action, so he's my other top candidate to fill in on their NHL roster. Their other prospects are still some ways away from the NHL, but like I said, some surprises could be inbound, so don't shove them to the side if you want a sleeper to your NHL fantasy team. St. Louis as well has few pretty obvious picks for the NHL breakouts, and now that in my papers Alexei Toropchenko and Scott Perunovic have already graduated, the list only becomes shorter for players standing behind them in the pecking order. The most obvious name for them is the first round selection, Jake Neighbors, who seems to be NHL ready after getting snubbed from NHL action last year. Meanwhile, Klim Kostin, Nikita Alexandrov, and Joel Hofer are players that should see some ice time in the big league as well. Kostin should be a mainstay on their NHL roster, and Alexandrov's strong showings in the AHL should provide him with few stints with the big dogs. Meanwhile, Hofer's strong track record from the minors should guarantee him a chance up top as well, if one of their starting net minors falls to injuries, but that's pretty much it when it comes to Blues' prospect pipeline. Seattle, though, is probably one of the more intriguing teams prospect-wise for the upcoming season since their top prospects, Matthew Beniers and Shane Wright, are expected to make their impacts on the NHL level straight away. Beniers more than Wright, but nevertheless. Beniers is one of the top candidates to win the Calder after his short stint with the Kraken last season, while Wright's NHL readiness will be tested during the opening days of the new campaign, but all in all, that combo might be one of the more eye-catching duos for the upcoming season. Other than those guys, there are no legitimate options to crack their lineup since most of their so-called prospects have just graduated junior leagues or are over 24 year old, so at least for this segment I won't be naming any of them, especially since their top two is so strong related to competition. As extras, I will add Kale Flurry and Colin to the mix since both of these guys have seen some ice time on the NHL level already, but really don't fit to the bill that we are pushing here this week, so in conclusion, keep your eye on both Beniers and Wright, and let's move on to San Jose. Not many names jump out when considering their NHL options for the Sharks, besides two most obvious ones, Thomas Mordello and William Eklund, who both already dressed for the Sharks during their last campaign, so I expect them to make their roster out of camp without too much hassle. Adam Rashka, Jasper Weatherby, Ryan Merkley and Sandri Hatakka also displayed their skills on the next level, so those guys should earn some ice time in the big league as well, while other names that stand out as possible options outside of that frame include Brandon Coe, who demolished the OHL last year as a 20-year-old, Daniel Gustin because of his skill set, and goaltender Strauss Mann, who was signed at the end of last season. 
Overall, the Sharks currently have a roster which could see some changes throughout the season, so there could be a handful of players who regularly dress for them this upcoming year, so expect to see new faces in the Sharks tank. Pittsburgh though is pretty set for the upcoming year with their experienced core and like many years before the injuries are the main concern for the franchise. When the injuries start to pile up for the Pens though, unfortunately there isn't a line of promising prospects waiting on the door of their NHL locker room which could end up being vital for the team with ambitions for another cup run with Sid and the company. Nevertheless, even with routed pipeline, we need to check out the few volunteers for the job openings. And they are Ryan Paling, Samuel Poulain, Valtteri Pustinen, Philip Hollander, Alex Nylander, and Pierre Olivier Joseph. And by no means, this bunch is expected to make waves on the NHL level, but more so, our next on the line in case of injuries, and certainly this team won't dodge those once we pass the 20k mark of the regular season. Poulain and Joseph are the two names that carry the most expectations, and just like I mentioned in last year's season preview, these guys were expected to break into their NHL system already last year, but since that didn't happen, the expectations stay the same for the upcoming season, as you could imagine. Paling. Pustinen, Hollander and Nylander are more long-term depth options on the next level, but all carry decent momentum for vacancies up top, but overall this area is not their biggest strength to say the least. Philly's situation though much resembles the one in San Jose where they've already baptized many of their top prospects for the NHL ISO. It's a pretty simple task to name the most obvious options to make their break on the big stage. Cam York, Morgan Frost and Bobby Brink are the obvious names that will get some ice time under their new head coach. While Ronnie Attard, Isaac Radcliffe, Noah Cates, Wade Allison, Jäger Zemula and Linus Högberg are the second tier options for them in addition to Tyson Forster who had a very decent showing in the recent U20 World Championships and looks quite ready for some NHL action. All guys mentioned before have made their NHL debuts and thus are pretty surefire options when injuries start to pile up for the Flyers. So I think that we don't need to spend too much time going over their previous season since most of the guys only played a handful of games and most likely are going to see more games this upcoming year if the Flyers end up staying in the basement of the NHL. Expectations for York, Frost and Brink are fairly high so Flyers fans most likely would like to see some progress in their games when the puck drops for the first time this year, if Torch decides to give some ice time for their young guns, since that's certainly not a guarantee, as we've come to learn, but we'll see if that is still the case. We already touched upon Ottawa's future NHL names, so it should be pretty obvious which names are expected to be in their lineup on the opening night. One name that didn't get mentioned, though, was Jake Sanderson, who is expected to take up a spot in their top four, and is one of the names that I'm most intrigued by for the upcoming season since he has excellent track record from the NCAA and was Ottawa's first round pick back in 2020, so he's going to be the guy to watch on their relatively young blue line. In addition to him, I'm eager to see how Shane Pinto has recovered from his injury. Are Jacob Baron Docker and Lassie Thompson able to cement their spots on their top six? 
And if young forwards mentioned earlier in the episode are able to break into their bottom six and steal some playing time as the team tries to make the playoffs. Overall, the Sens are probably the most interesting bunch to look out for this year, so don't you sleep on this team either, even how ridiculous that statement might sound to you. The Rangers are up next, and as you can probably predict, their youngest and brightest superstars have already graduated to the NHL ice, but few intriguing names still remain on their pipeline, who could challenge for spots up top next year. The most obvious name here is Vitaly Kravtsov, who is facing a make-it-or-break-it year with the Rangers after a pretty windy couple of seasons with the organization. GM Drury, though, believes in his skill set and was willing to sign him for another year, which means that he should get some playing time up top because he won't play for their minor system. That's what we've learned, at least from past two years. So he's the number one option up top and right behind him follows the OHL sensation Brendan Othman, who seems to be ready for professional ice since his body already screams bottom six hard-nosed hockey but if Drew sees that he still has some development to do before joining the big boys he could blast the OHL or the AHL to smithereens and then make his jump to NHL after another season spent elsewhere. Another name that creates some interest is Will Kale who has been a steady goal scorer for the Windsor Spitfires for the past two seasons and because of his big frame could come knocking on the NHL door if the Rangers need some goal scoring to their bottom six. Matthew Robertson and Jack Jones are the two obvious names on the back end who will be fighting for the last remaining spot on their left side so we'll see which of these two will conquer that spot or if they end up rotating these two in their bottom pairing. But nevertheless, few very intriguing names can be found from New York, as you can see, and not only the Rangers, but their city rival Islanders as well, who are up next. And although the Isles probably don't have as star-studded prospects coming up, they are very capable in their own right and bound to make the NHL at some point. The most notable names include Simon Holmstrom, who finally took steps to right direction in his development last year, William Dufault, who could end up being a steal for the Isles from the fifth round. Arthur Ratu, who already debuted for the Sion Tigers last season. And finally, Robin Salo, who already has some NHL mileage on his gas tank. While Otto Koivula belongs to this bunch as well, but since he has spent few seasons in North America already and is expected to fill in on their bottom six, I decided to give him a small stick tap instead of naming him to the bunch that are going to be household names for the Isles in the near future. So not huge names by any means, but if injuries end up hitting the Long Island, there is some firepower in the miners which is ready to deploy within moments. New Jersey is pretty much set when it comes to their opening right roster, while few youngsters aim to challenge four spots in their top four lines. Alexander Holtz and Simon Nimich are most likely the best candidates to make into their opening night lineup. Meanwhile, Nolan Foote, Graham Clark, Fabian Sederlund and Kevin Ball will stay put if openings present themselves in the midst of the season. Sederlund especially should be bound for some NHL action after a very successful season in the AHL. And Ball also got his feet wet in the NHL so he should be a dependable replacement in case of injuries. Nico Dawes and Akira Smith also showed their pedigree last season on the NHL level so if similar situation occurs as last year, 
they have capable backup options in the minors if need be. But more than anything, look out for Alexander Holtz since if he makes their roster from the get-go and gets to play in their top six, we could see tremendous scoring numbers from the Swedish sniper. Nashville, on the other hand, doesn't have as filled prospect pipeline, but a few names stand out from the crowd when considering their breakout candidates in the NHL. And although Cody Class has spent a few seasons between the AHL and the NHL, I still consider him being a rookie, and after a solid AHL campaign, I could see him seeing more ice time with the big boys, especially if Johansson's curve turns to a steep descent. He could be slotted on their second line alongside more proven point producers than what he's been accustomed to thus far. OHL star Luke Evangelista, big-bodied Jachem Kondalik, and lanky Russian Yegor Afanasyev are also knocking on the doors of the NHL, so I wouldn't be surprised if these guys also saw some action up top this upcoming season. In goal, the obvious names are Connor Ingram and Yaroslav Askarov, but when it comes to thought of Askarov playing in the NHL, I consider that still being few years away. And when it comes to Ingram, I could see him backing up Saros if Lankinen isn't able to elevate his game after a very lackluster season in Chicago. Other than those guys, there are not many names that really jump out. Juuso Persinen and Mark Delgazo could earn few cups of coffee in the NHL, but the first names are the main guys that most likely see the NHL ice if injuries harass Smashville's hockey team. Montreal is up next, and they have nothing but exciting prospects to watch heading into next season. The top of the list includes Yuraslav Kovsky, Justin Barron, Jordan Harris, and Caden Gooley. While the other names that also deserve a mention in this segment are Jesse Ulonen, Jan Mizak, Rafael Harvey Pinard, Matthias Nurlinder, and Otto Leskinen, in addition to their goalie prospect Caden Primo. Montreal has very little to lose this season, so I anticipate to see lots of young guys on the roster this year, and more than anything, it's going to be interesting to see if Slavkovsky is able to make his impact straight from the get-go, which I doubt, but nevertheless, the name list is extensive, and I'm excited to watch these young guns in action for my favorite team, even if it means losing a lot of games, because it's all for the future, and I'm all for it. Minnesota as well has few names up in their sleeve, and now that we've seen Matt Boldy's instant impact to their roster, the expectations for Marco Rossi and Kalen Addison have risen a bit, so it will be interesting to see if they follow in his footsteps or take more minor roles and climb up the lineup through strong performances. In addition to those two guys, Adam Beckman and Jesper Wallstedt probably remain the other candidates but those are pretty much the players I anticipate to see some NHL action this upcoming season out of their top prospects. Simple and easy, so let's move to Los Angeles. The Kings have many graduates already in their lineup and the minors are filled with upcoming NHLers, so it's going to be tough to predict precisely which guys eventually make their marks first in the NHL. Quinton Byfield certainly is the name you want to keep your eyes on, but for example Tyler Madden, Alex Turcotte if healthy, Samuel Fagimo, Akil Thomas, Jared Anderson Dolan, Jordan Spence and Jacob Moverere are names that should be seen more frequently in their lineup and already some of them have gotten their first taste of NHL action so the Kings 
are in good place when it comes to possible replacements for their regulars during the season. Rasmus Kupari and Tobias Bjornfod have been left out of this bunch since they have over 50 games under their belts. So as I've stated time and time again, the future is extremely bright in LA as their young bucks make their way to the NHL ice. The Panthers don't have as much to choose when it comes to their prospects, but a few names stand out from the crowd which are believed to battle for NHL roles before the training camp is over. Players that fall into this category are Grigory Denisenko, Siren Noll, Logan Hutchko, Alexi Heponiemi and Max Gildon. Denisenko and Heponiemi have already seen plenty of NHL action and Noel got his own feet wet last year with the Panthers, but now that they've dealt weaker away from Florida, that opens up a spot for another defenseman to step in and fill that role. And to me, Max Gildon could be an option for their bottom pairing for the next season. There are of course other older competitors for that spot as well, but when it comes to NHL readiness, physically and age-wise, he's to me the most suitable option, although he might just fill in once the injuries start to roll in for Florida. But Denisenko and Heponiemi are the two players that really are expected to earn some ice time this year since they played handful of games in the NHL already and have stellar records from the AHL ISO. For many, it has been just a matter of time once these two make the NHL roster. But currently, the Panthers still have quite stacked forward core, which could be hard to penetrate without any changes to their current top 12. College Yellen is their honorable mention now that I've looked through their depth chart once more, but those are pretty much the names I want to point out for the Panthers. The Oilers as well have few names that could be up for the challenge and the safe pick here is Dylan Holloway who already dressed up for the Oilers last season and is expected to be in their starting lineup once the puck drops for the first time next month. Markus Niemelainen, Dimitri Samorukov, Tyler Benson and Philip Broberg are the remaining names and just like Holloway, Broberg is expected to fill in the empty space left by Duncan Keith so I can say with 85% certainty that we are going to see a full season for him in the NHL. And when it comes to other names on my list, they most likely get to put their NHL uniforms as well on once the time is right, but that is not the current time. Detroit's this year's rookie class features names Bergren, Söderblom and Edvinsson. And yes, the Swedish Mafia is coming back to Motor City. And although I'm a huge fan of Edvinsson, I believe that Berggren is the more NHL ready out of this trio thanks to one year spent in the AHL and thus he's my leading candidate to crack up a spot on their opening night roster. They bolstered their blue line this summer as well which might affect Edvinson's ability to break into that top six but as we saw with Berggren it might end up being extremely beneficial to spend a year in the minors before jumping into NHL ice but on the flip side though Moritz Sider just proved us how easy the transition from Europe to NHL can be, so who else really knows his next season's destination other than GM Iserman? And when it comes to Söderblom, I bet that he starts the season in the A just like Berggren did, but if he shines there, he could be moved up to their NHL roster very swiftly. So this is another trio that I'm extremely excited to watch this season, whether it is in the AHL or the NHL. And since these three shine the brightest, we might as well leave the rest for the future. 
So let's just move on to Dallas and see what they got on offer. And with their most recent acquisition, the Stars Blue Line is starting to become pretty enticing. And in my mind, you could do so much worse than having Heiskanen and Lundqvist as your first pairing for the future. But let's not get ahead of ourselves since it is obvious that the main reason why Lundqvist eventually asked to be moved away from New York was the simple reason that they didn't have enough playing time for him in the Big Apple. And I'm quite sure that the Stars will make that happen one way or the other. They got Heiskanen, Miller and Hakampa, and in case of emergency, Joel Hanley on the right side. So Lundqvist should be able to find a home from that top six if he proves his offensive value to their management. Alongside Lundqvist, the Stars have names like Thomas Harley, Wyatt Johnston, Ty Delandria, Logan Stankoven and Raleigh Damiani, who are waiting for their chance to break into the NHL ice. And the Stars have room in their lineup to fit one or two young players to their top 12, so it shouldn't be a major problem and that's why I expect to see at least one of these guys to make it to the opening night roster. But as mentioned, they have good options behind their one-way ticket owner, so... If injuries happen, replacements are close by and the organization will benefit from these scenarios in the long run. And you can probably guess that if the Stars have options in their system, the same applies to Blue Jackets if you've listened to the previous prospect episodes from last year. David Yerichek, Kirill Marchenko, Kent Johnson, Trey Fix-Volansky... Nick Plankenberg and Daniel Tarasov are the main names on my list, in addition to already NHL-ready guys, Shinahov, Sillinger and Bemstrom. Johnson has the lowest odds to make into their NHL roster, but for example, Daniel Tarasov could simply outplay Corpusalo in their crease and earn his spot as their backup, which wouldn't surprise me one bit, based on Korpari's past two seasons. Marchenko is the wild card here since he posted solid numbers in the KHL last year, but the NHL is another beast on its own. So what I see here is that he spends the first year in the AHL in order to get used to North American playstyle, and maybe gets few stints up top in the process. Meanwhile, there's also always a chance where he makes the team out of camp and lights it up in the gel, but I would place my money on his stay in Cleveland. Yuricek as well most likely spends his first year in the AHL and could suit up for a few games if need be. And the same rule applies to both Fix Volansky and Blankenberg, even though they played handful of games in the NHL already. But a good bunch overall, which creates hope for their fans, and bright future is ahead of this organization as well. That's guaranteed. For Colorado, the situation is a bit different where Alex Newhook and Bowen Byram have already cemented their spots in the NHL. So the remaining guys outside looking in are Sam Boranta, Alex Bokaj, Martin Kaut, Oscar Olesen and Justus Annunen. All guys most likely start their seasons in the AHL and fill in once injuries start to pile up, but as you could imagine, there isn't a plenty of open space in most recent Stanley Cup winners roster, and thus they may have to claw their way up and prove why they should stay there instead of more proven names on that level. Chicago though has pretty decent bunch of young players coming up their ranks, which features names such as Alex Vlasic, Lucas Reichel, Ian Mitchell, Alec Regula, Nick Bodan, and goaltender 
are with Sir Blum. Four out of six players are defensemen, so that area should be pretty well covered for the future. And the situation here is pretty much similar to Montreal, where the team is currently rebuilding, and we could see a wide range of players in their four lines. So at this point, all I can do is pretty much point out the most obvious picks who might stay on the NHL level after the training camp is done, and at least expect to see these guys up there at some point during the upcoming season. But everything else is pretty much speculation, so we're going to leave it at that for now. And even though the Canes are considered as one of the cap favorites, the somewhat surprising thing here is that these guys also own a pretty decent prospect pool thanks to their recent drafts and good scouting. The names that I consider as favorites to slide their way into Canes lineup are Jack Drury, Jamison Reese, and Piotr Kochetkov. All these guys are pretty much set for the NHL, and the only downside for them is the depth that Canes currently possess. But if nothing drastic happens, all these guys should see some ice time on the NHL level sooner rather than later. Andrew Drury, for example, is already expected to man their fourth line, so that only strengthens my intuition concerning these three guys. Kachetkov was brilliant throughout this first campaign overseas, which most likely suited the Kane's front office. And all they now have to do is to slide under the cap ceiling, and they are ready for the upcoming season. And the two extras that deserve mentions are going to be Ryan Suzuki and Noel Gundler. And both guys are at least expected to rip the AHL apart if they somehow manage to dodge NHL deployments. Calgary's situation is pretty similar to Carolina, where their core is pretty much set and only few notable names can be sorted from the rest of their prospect pool. Jacob Pelletier, Cole Swint and Dustin Wolf are the ones that really pop out while Matthew Phillips, Martin Pospisil, and even Connor Zary raise some noise on that same front. Pelletier, at least, is pretty much a lock for the opening night, while Schwind can be called up for a depth roll, and if either Markstrom or Vladar gets hurt, you can be sure that Wolf is going to be the first one called up in that situation. Phillips had an outstanding AHL season last year, which raises his stock in this conversation, while his size remains at his biggest question mark for the NHL at this point. Pospisil's rugged playstyle is an intriguing asset, and just like Swint, I believe that he gets some ice time under Sauter's regime, alongside another towering forward, Adam Rosicka. Zary's production experienced a significant hit last year, so his stock has fallen a bit, but he still has lots of room to improve and has the first-round selection status in his back pocket, so... Expect to see him in the NHL as well in a couple of years. But since their current core is so stacked, it isn't an easy task to break into it. And that is exactly why the list is so short. And we are going to run with it until others sign up to the party with their performances. For Buffalo, we have four names written down. Owen Power, John Jason Paterka, Jack Quinn and Oscar Laksonen. Power being one of the Calder favorites alongside Quinn, they need a little to no introduction since their numbers speak for themselves. While both Peterka and Laksonen racked up pretty decent numbers in the AHL last year and could be call-up options for the Sabres if they want to add some youth to their already young core. 
Meanwhile, Ukko Pekka Luukkonen was obviously left out of this list thanks to him playing 13 games for the Sabres through the past two seasons, so he's already a known name inside that bubble. And at least I'm expecting him to take a stable role from the top at some point, so time is the only factor in this formula. Boston's current situation concerning prospects is pretty awful one to say the least. Since the only notable names that could realistically crack their lineup this year are John Beecher, Mark McLaughlin and Jack Studnicka. They are really running on fumes in this aspect and their top prospects Fabian Lucelle and Brett Harrison don't bring much joy to the equation when seeing what tools they have on their disposal once they make their way to B's lineup. All three guys should get some minutes up top at some point and at this point it's hard to say if they make it straight out of camp or in the middle of the season because for example Studnika has disappointed me year after year and that has really changed the tone on his part regarding expectations with their first team. And just so that I can add one more name into the mix, as the wild card we have Russian Yorgi Merkulov who shined in the NCAA and was able to showcase his skill set for Providence at the end of last season so who knows if he ends up being the first call up from the minors if the Bruins are in need of offensive firepower. And at this point of the episode, as we arrive to Arizona, you can probably guess that similar situation lies in the desert than it does in both Montreal and Chicago. So your guess will be as good as mine when it comes to prospects playing for this hockey circus. But since it's my duty to point out the most obvious names, we might as well do it. So here comes the name list. Dylan Genther probably makes it straight out of camp. Matthias Macelli. Already impressed in few games he played last year. Ben McCartney, rough bottom six option for the Yotes. Jan Janik, another player who had a short stint with the Howlers last year. Victor Söderström, we've been waiting for his breakthrough campaign for two years now, so hopefully the time is now for him to step up to bigger shoes. Vladislav Kolyachonok, another debutant from past campaign. And finally, we have goaltender Ivan Prosvetov who dressed up for the Yotes in three games last year and will battle for the glorious backup role against John Gillies. So as you see, a lot of options. I left out intentionally Connor Timmons, Yanis Moser, Cam Dinane, Nathan Smith and Jack McBain since they already had a cup of coffee for the Yotes last year and are expected to be part of their starting lineup before the first puck has been dropped. So subtle changes can be seen in Arizona towards a brighter future, but there's still plenty to work on, so better put on those working boots and grab the shovel since the project isn't going to finish on its own. And last but not least, we have the Anaheim Ducks, who as well possess one of the main candidates for the Calder Trophy, and his name is Mason McTavish. He's going to be one of their main cogs this upcoming season, and alongside him, I could see players such as Braden Tracy, Benoit Oliver Giroux, Jacob Perrault and Lucas Dostal making their marks on the NHL ice, while Olin Zellweger and Drew Hallison remain as wild cards until something drastic happens within the organization. But that is pretty good bunch if you ask me and as I've stated previously, the Ducks have one of the deepest and best prospect pipelines in the entire NHL and in just few years that should be visible on the NHL surface as well once their top young guns step up and change gears which will make them a real contender in the West without any doubt.
But since we've now covered all the NHL teams, that pretty much seals the deal for this week's run through of the current prospect situation. And I probably forgot one, two or even three guys during the episode or that is just basically because they are CHL eligible players and could be assigned to juniors if need be. So I decided to just point out the most noteworthy players which have the best odds to crack the NHL lineups. So for example, for that reason Brand Clark is missing from this list. Even though he's one of the better defensive prospects in the entire league, I don't see him cracking their lineup already this year. But don't worry, we are going to make deep dives into each prospect pool later this season, so then we will see what their current situations look like and how their projections have changed since the last time we dwelt into this area. Leave your thoughts on my social media and tell me who are your own color favorites heading into this upcoming season. I really do hope you enjoyed another prospect related episode and be sure to write down these names if you aim to grab some sleepers to your fantasy teams. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for stopping by for another episode of the Drop Pass podcast. Go drop a follow to the social media platforms mentioned in the description and more than anything, remember to enjoy the rest of your week. Stay tuned, stay safe. Until next time, all right.